Amazon's healthcare privacy issues, highlights of the upcoming ISMG Security Summit in New York, and what's up with WhatsApp's security vulnerabilities. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Amazon is greatly expanding its healthcare activities. For example, it's nearing completion of its purchase of online pharmacy PillPack and has entered an employee health partnership with J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway. As a result, the online retail giant now will face a wide variety of important new privacy issues, including HIPAA. ISMG's Executive Editor of Healthcare Info Security, Marianne Kolbersuk-McGee, got to interview attorney Jeffrey Short of the law firm Hall Render on the topic of Amazon's healthcare privacy implications this week. Here's some of that interview. What are the biggest privacy and security concerns regarding the pill pack arrangement and the health information that Amazon will be handling when it comes to consumers? Marianne, this is really something that was contemplated in HIPAA and the health privacy regulations. Those regulations embody a concept of a hybrid entity where you can have one entity that has functions of handling healthcare information as a health plan, an employer health plan, or a healthcare provider, which a pharmacy would be a healthcare provider. And the HIPAA actually lays out a set of rules that those entities that have multiple functions must follow. One thing that happens in that, and if you take what you introduced there as the J.P. Morgan Berkshire Hathaway situation and you look at it along with PillPack, Amazon is becoming uh, a hybrid entity if they put all of those inside the same legal entity. Uh, And as a hybrid entity, they need to really create firewalls around each of those uh, operations. And the health information that lands inside those firewalls has to stay in there no differently than it does for CVS, Walgreens, or any other pharmacy, that they must manage that information inside those firewalls and it can't pass out or pass over to the health plan side without being allowed by HIPAA. So from that perspective, I I don't know that this really presents that unique of a situation. Some commenters have said that, you know, well, Amazon will just bury a consent into the general terms of use that frees them to do whatever with the health information. And that's not possible under HIPAA because HIPAA specifically says that if you want to use the information other than as HIPAA allows it, you have to have a thing called an authorization, not a consent. And that's a very specific specific document that is spelled out in the HIPAA regulations, and you can't do what's called a compound authorization, meaning you can't combine that authorization with another legal document. It must stand on its own and describe what you're authorizing in fairly specific detail. So from that perspective, not a lot new here. Where I think people will start having some questions are things that already could have occurred but we haven't seen a lot of. And that would be Amazon taking this wealth of information it has, which isn't protected at the current time uh, in the U.S. by any privacy law, and putting it 
into those firewalls of the pharmacy, and then the pharmacy having that data to do its operations. And people might feel uncomfortable with the amount of information that would be had by the pharmacy operation pill pack in their marketing activities inside those firewalls, which might be permitted. The other thing that people might be uncomfortable with is HIPAA does permit the pharmacy to de-identify the information and do analysis and give that to Amazon. So they wouldn't necessarily know that, you know, it's Mary Ann's information at Amazon, but they would have this demographic intelligence about that people with certain decisions in their life and lifestyle choices and products they purchase tend to have these interests and they'll start more direct marketing through generalizable knowledge, but not through specific information about the individual. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Checkpoint says it has found three ways to falsify and manipulate messages in WhatsApp, which the security company claims could be employed by scammers and used to spread fake news. But WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook, disputes the issues of vulnerabilities and says it has no plans to amend its software. Here's ISMG's Managing Editor, Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk, with more. Claims of security vulnerabilities in WhatsApp tend to draw wide attention because it's used by 1.5 billion people a month. This week, security company Checkpoint says it found flaws that would allow WhatsApp messages to be falsified or manipulated. The company alleges the issues could be employed by scammers or used to spread fake news. But WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook, disputes that the issues are vulnerabilities and says it has no plans to amend its software. To get inside of how WhatsApp works, Checkpoint figured out how to decrypt messages. By decrypting the data, Checkpoint could then see the parameters attached to content, such as who sent it and a message's text. The researchers also developed an extension called the WhatsApp Decoder for Burp Suite, which allows for quick manipulation of messages. In one attack, Checkpoint alters a message sent by a fictitious boss. The boss says the attacker has been granted a $500 raise. The attacker manipulates the message, sending a new but nearly identical one back that puts the raise at $1,500. In another scenario, the attacker captures a message sent by the administrator of a group. An altered message is then played back to the group, which appears as a quote coming from the administrator. That message is visible to all members. Checkpoint says this is an example of how so-called fake news could be spread using WhatsApp amongst groups with many members. But the key to whether the attack scenarios could be real depends on how easy it is for attackers to replicate Checkpoint's research. The company managed to reverse-engineer WhatsApp's encryption algorithm, a feat that could prove difficult for less skilled attackers. Still, if someone manages to do that and release the information publicly, it could make message manipulation possible to a wider group of attackers. The attacks that Checkpoint describes haven't been seen in the wild yet, though. And WhatsApp says it will boot anyone off the service who uses a tampered version of the app that allows for bogus messages. So for now, it appears the attacks are more a theoretical risk, but time will tell. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. Finally, it's ISMG's flagship event in New York next week, the ISMG Security Summit. I asked Tom Field, SVP of Editorial at ISMG, what makes this event different from the other ISMG summits? 
this is the biggest one we've ever done. Uh, seriously, it's going. We're going to have more speakers, more attendees, and the focus of this is solely on security as opposed to what we often do, which is a fraud and breach prevention summit. Now we had a fraud summit independently in New York City earlier this year. This is the New York Security Summit. It's our flagship event for us. It's it's celebrating five years of summits that we've been putting on in the New York area. It's big. <laughs> I'm excited about it. <laughs> it. It is big. It's going to be it's um, it's going to be a pretty interesting event, I think, given the caliber of some of the speakers. Do you, do you want to tell me who, who are you looking forward to seeing? Oh my! You know, it's a two-day event, and the the speaker list is just it's star-studded. You know, we start on day one. We're going to be hearing early in the day from Stephen Katz, who was the world's first CISO. And he's going to give us some insight on the CISO role today and the challenges for security leaders. Uh, later in the day, we hear from Jim Routh, currently the CISO at Aetna, on model-driven security. Day two, we'll start early with Ed Amoroso, former CISO at AT&T, who's going to give us some insight on the crazy path that we're in now with the threat landscape and technologies we're using to respond. Later, we're going to hear from retired General Greg Tuhill, the first CISO of the U.S. government, talking about the zero trust model. So these are just some of the highlights. Uh, it's two days. Oftentimes, we've got three concurrent sessions going at once. If you can't find something engaging here, I don't know what more I could offer you. I've got to say, it is, it is kind of a who's who of the threat landscape, really. I mean, it's, it's very impressive. So, well, um, it, it is, Nick, and not just from the speaker perspective, but when you look at the sponsors that are going to be there, we've got security leaders from some of the top security organizations in the world, and we've got a great attendee list as well. So for the opportunity to meet, to network, to compare notes on common issues that we all face, I can't think of a better opportunity. Uh, me neither. So, well, anyway, I guess I'll see you um, at Logan Airport first thing Monday morning for our trip down to New York. I look forward to it. And for people that are attending the event, it's at the New York Marriott Marquis in Times Square. Again, we're going to have three stages going at once, and we also will be recording video interviews there with many of these thought leaders on the, the balcony overlooking Times Square. So it's an impressive setup. Lots of great content, lots of great ideas. Looking forward to it. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time. Thank you.